Hello and welcome to FS Brew. FS Brew is the region's first podcast focusing on all things insurance and insurtech here in the UAE and the wider Middle East. I'm Vidya. I'm the founder of Forward, a startup that works with insurance companies on their go-to-market strategies. Hi, I'm Ranjit Philip. I consult with corporates and startups in building new businesses and new products and help them with their strategy, business model, and go-to-market. And in this episode, we are speaking to Gautam Datta, who is the CEO of a newly consolidated holding company, Daral Takaful. He's an experienced CEO with over 40 years of working in the insurance and Takaful space, which is obviously the Islamic insurance. And he's done various profitable green she- greenfield insurance ventures and led successful M&A and turnaround of Takaful businesses. In this episode, we're speaking to Gautam Datta. He is the CEO of Daral Takaful. Gautam, it is so good to have you on the show. Welcome to FS Brew. Thank you very much, Vidya and Ranjit, and thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome. Awesome. It's a pleasure. Awesome. So this is the question we ask all our guests, Gautam. How did you get into insurance? I think the simple answer would be by accident. <laughs> I think growing up in India, I don't know what it, I think the new generation may not understand it as much as we old folks were put through. For us, the, our parents had a very two-track career path for us. You either were an engineer or you were a doctor. (laughs) You didn't have any other choice. I was the eldest in the family and I was slated for being a doctor. And uh, I was not just the eldest, I was also a bit of a rebel. So I rebelled and I said, no, I'm not going to medicine. I'll go into arts. Uh So I landed up doing economics. And then from economics, I thought I would do finance. So I enrolled myself in articleship. But then I was, I was one of those persons that I was easily distracted. So I was doing a whole lot of things along with the articleship and the exams were a bit of a struggle. My parents were not very comfortable with this constant demand for funds to come through. So they said, you've got to start doing something. So at that point of time, back during the days when things were not private, things were not privatized. So there, there used to be these management training examinations for most of the public sector companies in the financial services, banks and insurance. So I happened to, if the, one of those exams got through, landed up, the, initially the objective was that at government salary, I would finish my chartered accountancy and move into finance. What happened in reality and what was the intent initially, there's obviously, they were quite different, but that's how I landed up in insurance. I think the only difference is that with us, we had two more career choices, chartered accountancy and lawyer. That's true. That's true. Yes. So that's great. So now just to trace the micro history, you've been leading an insurance company called Vatania. And then your board decided to merge with Noor Takaful slash Darul Takaful, which was itself going through a merger. Now, handling one m is difficult. I know from being part of one of those with RSA in Oman and Alalia. And yeah. now you've got three entities which are merging. What are the drivers for this mega consolidation? We'd love to know. A simple answer would be, if we can do something big, then why do something small? <laughs> Go for the big one. But to put this uh, transaction into context, and I don't know if you were around at that time, yeah. recall we had made a public announcement that in back in 2016, that the, both the companies were looking at developing a mutual cooperation platform, which was a very guarded way of saying that we were talking about a merger. So the conversation between Dartakaful and Vatania had started taking place back in 2016, 2017. There was a little bit of lull in that conversation because both the companies were going through a fair amount of restructuring. Yeah. In Dartakaful, there was also a change in the senior leadership. 
And during that process, I think Noor Takaful came on the table for Dark Takaful and they decided to go ahead with it. And our conversation continued. It was just one of those coincidences that our conversation kind of matured around the same time when Dark Takaful acquired Noor. So it was not with any specific design. A lot of it was just the timing of where our conversations merged. And uh, yes, at the end, it turned out to be one of those mega transactions involving four insurance companies within the space of 12 to 18 months. Yeah, yeah. It's actually four because you have Noor family and then the Noor Takaful. So it's actually four entities. Now, that must, uh, just as a follow up, Ranjit and Dangab, the whole idea of organization culture is even for one entity, it's, it's tough to manage. But when you have this complexity going on, how has been your sort of leadership style to manage that different cultures and really get them together to have a singular view and focus and getting the organization ahead? Vidya, I think the jury is still out on that one. I can't, I can't specifically comment on on the whether that whether I can provide any learning moments yet. We are still going through the process, but you're right. It is a complex issue. And it is something that has to go through its own evolution in order to establish itself. A lot of these transactions, a lot of these mergers succeed or fail depending on how the culture is integrated. In When it comes down to pure business and tech and infrastructure, other than the logistic hiccups, it's a lot easier to integrate. IT is one classic example. You have two different platforms. Once you go through your checklist, once you decide which is the route you want to take, and then you allocate a budget to it, you complete that exercise. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes you may have to tweak it a little bit. Sometimes some of these decisions have to be revisited based on the market response, etc. But that's a lot easier to handle because it's all definite. But when it comes down to integrating people from different backgrounds, different outlook, people from one company who've grown up under a certain environment and approach to work, and you have another group which is fairly significant also in terms of size. Watania, when we merged, were about 100 and 910 people. Dr. Kaful, when we merged, its total strength was in excess of about 360, 370 people. So you definitely have that challenge. And uh, you talk about culture. Culture is something that doesn't take place overnight. It takes place over a period of time. It takes place over a core value that gets enunciated over and over again. Yeah. When, we now, when we are now going through this process, people ask, is the merger complete? Mm-hmm. And I say, yes, the merger is complete. Yes, it's complete because we've ticked off right. all the integration checklists. Mm. But to me, I think the critical point is that this merger will not be complete when we are now about 300 and odd people. Mm. When this 300 people team will think of themselves as one team. And that can only take place when we are able to anchor that core value that we want to take forward Mm. and constantly reiterate that process so that When people come into the office, when they leave the office, when they engage with their peer group, when they engage with people, they take that value forward as one entity. And it is then we say that we have now integrated the culture. So I think that's still still a long process that we have to 
go through. The journey is still on. But again, that's what these main key challenges for a transaction and the leadership team is what team is all about. Business gets done in due course, but then insurance is so much about people. Till we've got that team in place, I think we'll say that the, our integration effort or our merger process is still continuing. Yeah, I think so. It's very much work in progress and you good that you emphasize the point about reinforced communication and it really probably it's a two three year journey where you can finally say hey we are one team and going towards one direction on a similar kind of vein and perhaps you may need to correct us as well we understand that the go-to market is Noor Takaful and the company's name is Daral Takaful as you mentioned is that uh, how we are seeing it in the market just again let's put, put some context in this whole situation yeah. we are a little bit of an oddity when you talk about this insurance company transaction. Usually one company acquires another, which is what DAR did. DAR acquired Noor. Or two companies merge. RSA and NLGIC is in one example where both companies merge. Yeah. Or AXA, GIG, they merge. We, through this transaction, have created a holding company. So DAR Takaful is a holding company. Okay. And the holding company is, is a, basically an investment company focusing on building a portfolio of Takaful companies. Okay. And Noor family and Noor general are actually the operating the couple companies. Got it. So when we talk about the go-to market, yes, at one point of time, we will have a unified brand, which will identify or which will make it possible for the market to identify what this entity is all about. Yeah. But as we speak, our insurance arm is Noor. Because the Vatania policyholders merged with the Noor policyholders. Right. Vatania shareholders merged with Dart Takaful shareholders. That kind of puts a different structure when the market is usually looks at one company taking over the other. Over here, it's a little bit different. It's uh, the transaction creates a holding company and a subsidiary operating company. Got it, got it. No, that is great. That does give us a lot of clarity. And uh, I think as a follow-up, and I think we were going to ask you, are you planning to create a different brand? I think you answered that at some point. So it does make sense. Just going through this complexity, how difficult or involved was the process of communicating this to your distribution partners or your customers while this transition was going through? It would be interesting to kind of know. One thing I love about the insurance market is that there are no secrets. There are no secrets in this market. Yeah. You may think that you have a very confidential information being well guarded, <laughs> but somebody or the other comes to know. So yeah. this process took almost two years from the agreement until the actual legal date announcement. Okay. But the market was agog with this news. And I remember back in 2020, when the, the conversation started, and then the whole of 2020, the whole of 2021, and whenever I would meet any of our business partners, one common question at the end of the meeting or at the start of the meeting is what's happening with the merger? So the merger was no big secret. So when it comes down to the market side of the communication, I think there was a lot of unofficial communication already taking place. Yeah, were these questions about who was going to do what, Especially in a transaction like this, we were an Abu Dhabi company. Dart Takaful was Noor Takaful was a Dubai company. So it was how are we going to manage things? Watanya had a certain approach to the market. Noor had a different approach to the market. But fortunately for both of us, Watanya was centered around Abu Dhabi, okay. and Noor was centered around Dubai. 
So we could yeah. even in the initial stages of the merger separate the two processes and emphasize that the distribution partners or our customers would not see any change because we were not cannibalizing the market in a sense. Apple and Nutakakul had already gone through that kind of a volatile moment where the same market was being merged and there was a little bit of a spillover from that transaction. Abu Dhabi and Dubai being totally different, being looked at differently, including the team. Yeah. Abu Dhabi team continued to service the Abu Dhabi market. Dubai team continued to service the Dubai market. So I think we removed a lot of uncertainty in that transaction by having these two separate markets being dealt differently. Right. Of course, there were a lot of questions related to the people, the process, the overall business approach. And that's something that we are still going through. But just purely in terms of the market acceptance, because it took such a long time to bake, people were already accustomed to it. So it didn't come as a surprise. And the questions were already being asked. And I think an official platform they were being addressed by the team, by various members in an indirect sort of a way. So I think that the time that it took also helped us to get the market accustomed to the change or the transaction that was going to take place. Got it. Interesting. Okay. Gautam, when we look at the broader market itself and the UAE market itself, typically there are like some really pressing issues, ticket pricing pressure or the commission pressure that the industry as a whole faces. Now, we, in fact, we were speaking to the likes of Hatim and Naveen from Badri Actuaries, and they were statistically showing us how this has impacted the bottom line of the market itself. Now, when you look ahead, what are the challenges you think you're going to face or you're facing as a combined entity? And if you could tell us what are your plans to really tackle them, it'll be great to get those insights too. None of the stuff that that's that's going on right now actually yeah. centers around the point that you that you raised. The insurance industry, as an industry, is going through some difficult moments. Last couple of years have not been very positive for the industry. And if you take the mega ones out, the top five companies out of the equation, then the remaining 455 companies that are there in the market after the merger have struggled with their, their market portfolio, both from the investment as well as from the insurance portfolio side. The fact that the e economy went through this COVID strain, the insurance industry had to respond to support that, support that, support that period, the difficult period. And then when the, when the activities came back, the insurance companies were not in a position to actually assess what the overall impact would be on the portfolio, on the supply and demand has created a volatility on some of the core books that most small to mid-segment, mid-level insurance companies that are in that, in that market space, typically medical and motor. So the, so the overall P&L result has been quite a strain. Hmm. But again, when you look at an insurance industry, we all talk about cycles. The pricing is a cycle. The claims is a cycle. I look at it as being one of the cycles that we as an industry have to process and have to get deal with. So when it comes down to what do we do next, it's not about what we do next because it's what we, what is it that we look at as a part of our long-term goal, which will then drive and set up the process that will deal with these short-term cycles, whether it is price or whether it is claim. So if I were to say that, what is it that we want? Very simple. We want to make sure that our policyholders fund is profitable. And in order to make the policyholders fund profitable, it, we need to ensure 
that we are charging the right price for the product that we provide to the policyholders. So it's an ongoing exercise of looking at the data, analyzing the data, looking at our segment. So it's not something that we can at one point of time say that this is where the process stops. So it's something that we will have to carry through, but we have to do it with a lot more diligence. The issue that I take with the market as an individual is that we sometimes, even though insurance is supposed to be a long-term business, a business, how would I address it? It should always be looked at in the longer term as opposed to a shorter quarter-to-quarter basis. Yeah. But in the industry, we tend to take sometimes this short-term look which almost brings it to the level of gambling. It's almost if I can get away with it. Yeah. Then let me just take that risk. Yeah. What we don't understand is that when we aggregate all of that, then in totality, the pure principle of probability says that someone is going to get hit. Yeah. So yeah. Just because one company has not got hit does not mean that the industry is out of that, out of that, that the problem or the situation. So my take on this is that every company one must take the responsibility and be accountable for the actions that they have taken in the past that they should correct it. And second, I think the consumers and the regulators, when they look at the market as a whole and they want to see the financial viability and the strength of the industry, they need to decide which are the companies that create that financial instability by carrying out business in a manner that is not feasible in the longer term. Because the whole objective is that you create a financial structure or we create a provide a financial structure that is viable in the longer term. Insurance companies, you always look at in terms of decades, if not centuries. You don't look at them in terms of quarterly results. Yeah, I mean, there's only... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, there's only one reality in insurance. that There are cycles and yeah. it takes time. You have to be patient. Yeah. Yeah, no, in fact, we spoke in detail about it with the Badri guys as well. What would be the remedial course? And this whole self-check may be something, I don't think any insurers are championing it. And therefore, there has to be some sort of a regulatory interjection to get that hold because everyone's waiting for the other one to make the move and it's not really happening. My, my belief is that the moment you allow a regulator to come in and set your house in order, there are two things that we do as a disservice to our own organization. One, we take away the capability and the confidence that we can handle problems. We can come out of problems. We basically are then asking an external party to come in and help us. Second, we also impact the confidence of the market in the organization. Now, when we look at insurance, it's all about trust. If a market sees that this insurance company can only do if it is set up with props from outside. Yeah. That doesn't really give the confidence for future growth, that future trust that the policyholders should have on an organization. So I think the insurance companies must be very conscious of this fact that what we sell is a promise. Yeah. And that promise is based on how we deliver that promise. If we deliver that promise with the help of a regulator, mm-hmm. It becomes very apparent to the market that as a provider of that promise, my credentials, my credibility is at then puts is at stake. And yeah. that is not a good brand for an insurance company. Absolutely. So now stepping back and looking at it from a crystal ball slash consumer point of view, we've seen some of these trends like wearables linked to health, pay as you drive motor. So what are some of the trends that are on your watch list and how do you plan to drive or utilize those? 
conference. Okay. Here, I'll have to let out a secret. Okay. Full disclosure, I don't know Vidya very well, but I know her dad quite well. Okay. We both worked together for the same organization, and we, we even worked for a period of time in the same place in Bahrain. So I think Vidya can safely acknowledge it, and I can say this, that we belong to the old generation, we are the oldies. So to me, insurance is all about, and I said this earlier, is all about the basic uh, thing about delivering on your promise. There is no rocket science attached to it. Insurance deals with, as the classic definition would say, where the, the loss of many is spread over few, and it's the law of large numbers. Yeah. What our system has done is that it has tried to make it a little bit glamorous by bringing in some slick mechanisms, etc. Like we call it tech, we call it wearables, we call it telematics, etc. But at the end of the day, these are all geared towards making that whole cons, delivering that promise more efficient. Yeah. So if you were to ask me what is the trend, it's not really a trend. The way I see it is that if I have technology, and if I don't use that technology to make my promise stronger, then I'm in the wrong business or I'm not running my business well. Mm. So the technology does not itself drive the business. It's the business that adopts the technology to make itself more efficient to deliver its core value proposition, which is fulfilling its promise. Right. So I think when it comes down to wearables and telematics, etc., we now have that those technology available to us to make the product that we give to our customers a lot more efficient, a lot more structured, and a lot more effective from their perspective. It's that because they have up, they derive a stronger value out of that. So it's just not about taking a policy, but it is something that helps them to make their life better. Yeah. When I was starting in the insurance industry, somebody had asked me, what is this insurance all about? All of you guys give simply an insurance policy. Yeah. And my take was that insurance industry is a repository of a phenomenal amount of data which can analyze the risk a society faces. Right. So the true goal of an insurance company is to make our world safer by utilizing that data and the knowledge and changing the behavior of the consumers of that, of that product. So when we talk about wearables and telematics, these are just the tools that are now made available to the insurance industry to make the life of the policyholder or the consumer better, safer, and risk-free. So that's the way we should look at that whole value proposition. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think like an IPL and then test. So you use IPL to promote the whole cost of cricket and then get them to play your test cricket. I like yeah. that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and IPL IPL appeals to the Gen Zs and Millennials, so it's yeah, a good way yeah. of acquiring customers onto the larger. Exactly. You brings know. in the money, the investment, the VCs are all on looking at it. <laughs> Fantastic, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just on that, going a little deeper onto the whole PL and the CL space. Now, previously, both Patanya and Nurtakaful have been strong players on and we've had strong affinity partnerships. Uh, potentially driven by medical and motor. Now, what is within the, the whole merged entity? What is now this renewed PL strategy for you? And what are the building blocks that you're putting in place 
especially because PL is such a cluttered red ocean. There's so much of competition. So tell us what exactly, how exactly are you approaching this and maybe extend that also on the CL side of things. When we look at our business, our first thing is to find out who is our customer segment and we define the customer segment by what is the product that we believe differentiates us from the most of the market. So what are our strengths? And then match those strengths with the customer segment. So as a Takaful company, and Takaful company is all about pooling and sharing of risks. So our whole objective is to build a large pool of kind of a like-minded policyholders. This whole concept automatically takes away the mega risks because we don't get them in those numbers that will make the pool viable. Yes, you can then adopt reinsurance mechanisms, et cetera, but then that becomes more of a replica of a conventional setup. Mm -hmm. So if you take away all these mega risks like aviation, like utilities, et cetera, then what we are talking about more or less, especially in a country like this, is middle-of-the-road risk. And middle-of-the-road risk involves both the personal lines or individual lines. It involves the commercial lines. In our jargon, we like to call it uh, the SMEs and the individual. So for us, the SMEs are the mid-segment industries, but it truly SMEs are those, is the segment that is not involved in these complex risks of risks of energy or aviation, etc. The company, just because the company is big, but it's big in, in building houses, does not mean that it's not SME for us. So in a way, that segment is defined by the risk in itself. If it's a construction risk, then we believe that we have the pool to deliver what is required for ensuring a construction risk. The same thing applies for whether you call it motor or individual medical or group medical. The concept more or less is similar. So for us, the PL and the CL, we try not to distinguish it other than for the purpose of our operational efficiency. Mm -hmm. So both Noor and Vatania were more or less in similar kind of segments. We both did, we did the casualty engineering in the mid-segment, and we did medical and motor. And medical and motor was across all sectors. Yes, sometimes we would not do the medical insurance of, let's say, Emirates, simply because the infrastructure that it required was not available because it requires a lot of investment, etc. Because of the size of the company, we were not able to do these mega group size uh, risks. Post-merger, the segment has not changed because these are our core product lines. So the core segment hasn't changed. What has changed is that because of now a larger base, we are able to invest into the infrastructure that is required to handle larger risks and to create platforms that would deliver these services more efficiently. Mm -hmm. It now helps us to do things in slightly better way because we yeah. are able to invest into the technology to, to make the products more efficient, make the products more cost-effective, leverage our reinsurance purchase on these products, and generate a lot more pricing advantage because of that. In a sense, our segment has not changed. Our target customer, has they have not changed. What has changed is we are able to provide our original offerings, but at a, in a more competitive way. Right. I think you, you laid out the synergies of coming together and makes us wonder again that I think consolidation is the order of the name of the game going forward as well. 
Absolutely. And you see, now when you look at some of the requirements of the central bank in terms of the compliance, in terms of governance, because we are financial services and you said you, you had dealt with financial services before you're part of it, you understand the way regulator looks at internal discipline in order to ensure that the consumer's interests are protected. And I think that is critical. Now, in order to have that kind of infrastructure, it's important that a company is of a certain size because it requires investment. The latest one, you know, uh, from the central bank is to set up an AML system, which is real time. Now, mm. that again is an investment. Wow. So I think all of this means that if the industry has to progress and has to comply with global standards of governance and regulation, they have to consolidate. Size is relevant. A boutique company is good during times when the environment allows such companies to develop and grow. But today, I think it's the size which will drive a lot of the growth in the market. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Now, probably we'll take a look into that, those new kids on the block, the insurtechs in the region. What sort of overall theme defines your approach to them? Is it going to be collaboration? Is it going to be partnership, competition? Love to know that. We are the Kaful company. Yeah. And not because the Kaful. Even in principle, I believe that's true for all business segments. Uh we do better when we collaborate. Okay. Maybe in the short term, you have an advantage if you try to push one setup out, try to take these immediate gains. But overall, we do a lot better when we collaborate. Yeah. And if we go back to the cliche that we don't need to reinvent the wheel. So if there is a technology partner, if there is an entity that has done work in developing certain protocol or certain mechanisms, that will help me to do my business better than our approach. And my approach has always been to find out way of collaborating. Right. And when I look at the Kaful is all about pooling. Pooling is all about mutuality, solidarity. It's about co collaboration. Right. So even in my normal business approach, it's about I think we should not compete with each other, even as another company. Let's find out ways of collaborating with each other. So, you know, my thing is that when somebody comes and says, who is your competitor? For me, I am my biggest competitor. It's how I compete with myself to do better. Because yeah. I know that eventually there are some places where you talk about market consolidation. I think amongst the Takaful space, one day we will have market collaboration where the Takaful company's policyholders will all come together as one mega pool mm -hmm. and which will then drive that whole distribution and the penetration forward. So to me, it's all about setting that tone for collaboration, be it with a tech company or be it with another Takaful company. Right. Or even the conventional company for that matter. Got it, got it. And then extending that in terms of the futuristic view itself, what are your future diversification plans when it comes to Nurtakaful? Any new lines of business that you want to get into? You also mentioned at some point you will be restructuring in terms of a new brand potentially. It'll be great to know some of the future plans. Let's talk about the brand. For us, the brand, yes, it has to be labeled with a name. So that will take place, but that's more of a process. We'll have to get a sign off from our shareholders, get a sign off from the regulators, et cetera, et cetera. Driving that whole brand is what is it that we stand for? What is it that we want to take to the market as our key value proposition mm -hmm. is the important part. And I think we want to go back to the basics of insurance. 
I think sometimes the market gets lost in all the jargons that they hear. And it's just not the insurance market. We have a lot of these jargons. I, when you said Red Ocean, I had a vague idea, but I looked it up on Wikipedia. Just, just to make sure that I knew what I, it, it was the one that I was thinking of. Red Ocean in, the, in, in an old guy's term is a crowded market. Yeah. The way I see it is that if I'm able to cultivate or if we are able to, as an organization, address the core value proposition, the reason why a person takes an insurance policy is when there is a claim, that claim needs to be settled without any hassles and as quickly as possible. Yep. So for me, the message is very simple. We settle claims hassle-free or we settle claims faster. Yeah. So if we can set this thing together, then it doesn't matter whatever products we come up with, it will find an acceptance. Now, what do we come up with products? Products are basically a reflection of the risk that the market goes through. So what the COVID period did is suddenly it exposed the risk that the companies have through this IT platform, then they operate. And because they were all online, there is a huge threat and there is the cyber risk. Yeah. So for me, if I were to look at what is it that I would do, I would look at the risks that are constantly, you know, the, our, our society, our environment, it's a dynamic environment. Things change. Risks change. There is this now a clear threat of pandemic risk. So how do you address that in terms of protection? Cyber is the one that took place during this last year. So we try to look at our future product structure based on the need for the market at that point of time or what we believe will be the need in the shorter duration and then try to structure our offering around that. Sometimes we have the knowledge internally and sometimes we depend on our business partners to provide us with that input so that we can then take it to the market. As of now, for, uh, it's more about addressing some of our current gaps within the structure. Now, we are a life company as well as a non-life company. Our non-life portfolio is pretty well developed, but our life isn't. So our immediate objective is to get the family, the couple or the life part of the business grow and create products in that space. There are some existing products and there are some products which I think the market needs, pension being one of them. I think we have are gradually as a society reaching a situation where the social system doesn't provide us with enough of safety net. So we are looking at that as some of our new initiatives going forward. Mm -hmm. Got it. Very good. And uh, as we come towards the end of the podcast, this is a question that we ask our guests. And I know it's very expensive to do, but if we get you a billboard on Sheikh Zayed Road, what is going to be the inspirational or motivational message that you would like to put there on that board? I, when we were discussing this, it was whether it's a business message or whether it's a personal message. The business yeah. message was a little bit difficult because you've got so many options. Yeah. But as we were talking, I think the message that I would like to come put across, if we had a billboard on Sheikh Zayed Road, is we settle claims faster. Absolutely. I think if there is anything that will grab anyone's attention and will describe our core value proposition, I yeah. think that kind of says it. Yeah, that's where the rubber hits the ground. That's exactly where rubber hits the ground and where the service is measured. But more on a philosophical basis, I think we sometimes sell ourselves short. And one of the things that I've always believed in is we dream of things, but hold ourselves back from getting there. One message could be dream of things that never were and ask why not. Mm. Yeah. So it's an it's a quip of uh, I think it's GBS Bernard Shaw's, but that's that line always attracted me. It's that we need to constantly challenge ourselves. And how do I put that message on a billboard yeah. to, to get that across? Maybe yeah. that could be the line. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That's good. That's inspiring. <laughs> Wonderful. I think we've come to a very exciting segment now. Maybe Ranjit, you want to take this forward and uh, I can take on the last three questions. Sure. This is really about getting to know the <laughs> leader as a person. So we introduced this rapid fire sort of section. So if you're ready, we will fire away. I'll do best. Okay. Some of the favorite books that you have. Some of the favorite books that I haven't had a look at a book for a long time. It's been busy. I moved into Audible. Okay. Um, but if I were to look at some of the books that I still have on my bookshelf from my previous days, one would be, what's his name? The book is Jonathan Livingstone Seagull. Right. By Richard Bach. Richard Bach. Yes. So that would be one. That's something that has always been an inspiration since my college days. Yeah. The other one, which still I leave to once in a while, more to describe my philosophy to my wife is, is Ayn Rand's Fountainhead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the interesting book that I am going to right now is, is Trevor Noah's uh, Born, Born to Crime. Nice. And I've been going through it. It's been now almost more than a month. Usually I tend to read my books faster, but I'm halfway through. And that's really a fun book. Okay. It's really interesting to see Trevor Noah's his yeah, own yeah. insight into life. And right. it's very impressive. Yeah, I need to pick that up. Hobby or favorite hobby pastime. In the old days, it would be a lot of tennis, cricket, travel, hanging out. But these days, travel was travel has been off for a while. My Achilles heel comes in the way of playing tennis. I run a lot. Achilles heel comes in the way of running. I'm hoping to get back to it. Right. So it's it's running, reading, music, travel. Okay, perfect. And favorite band slash genre of music? I'm an oldie. I like my Beatles. Okay, but, nice. But my kids took me to a live concert of Coldplay oh, uh, in oh, Abu Dhabi, yeah, I think back in 2018 or 19. Nice. And I liked it. It yeah. was a bit of an old-fashioned thing. So I love Coldplay. So I then looked up and I have it on my playlist. I have them on my playlist. Right. Was this the New Year Eve concert? That's right. It was. Yeah, I was there somewhere. I'll tell you, it was tiring. It was too loud for me. But <laughs> when I came back and I reflected on it, I found that I had enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They know how to pull a show. Vidya, how was you? Awesome. First job. First job? Insurance yeah. company, New India. If you don't count private tuition when I was a college student. Okay. Ah, okay. Oh, wonderful. And if you were not, if you're not in insurance, your alternative career would have been? I think I would have been a teacher. Nice. Okay. I, I admire that profession. I like this whole concept of training. I take part in it. Yeah. But then if I had been a teacher, then you wouldn't have been interviewing me on a podcast over a mega transaction. <laughs> Absolutely. It's true. <laughs> Favorite city in the Middle East? Doha, Dubai, Abu Dhabi. I can't figure out. You forgot Bahrain. I yeah. know. I know what is Bahrain, Budaya. <laughs> I not loyal to Bahrain. Hey, listen, I'll have to be very diplomatic about my favorite cities. I can't let a city down. But yeah, even if I were to be diplomatic, I would still say Bahrain, Muscat, and Abu Dhabi. And awesome. I, I won't pick them and rank them. Right. So, <laughs> all good ones for me. That's the safe choice. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, what a delightful interview. Thank you so very much for taking the time off and giving us you know, proper thorough insights. I really appreciate about that. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I love this casual conversation. And I was telling, I wasn't sure whether you did that as a part of your COVID protocol, but it would have been great if we had done it over coffee, sitting down yeah. face to face. Oh, we should do that. We should absolutely do that at some point. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, it's me, Ranjit. If you enjoyed this episode, I request you to leave us a review 
This will help us to reach more great podcast listeners like you. Thank you.